0: Love, Talk Radio
1: Hi everyone, welcome to the show I keep starting before the intro But welcome to the show this week um, Thank you for joining me Um, If this is your first time watching the show, welcome to Young Women Speak Out, which is a six-week program being broadcasted by the Sylvia Global Media Network to elevate the voices of young activists from around the world. Um, So far, we've had some really cool adventures. We've um, spoken to LGBT activists from Nigeria. We've talked about young women's leadership in Kenya um, and feminism and fashion in Ghana, so some very exciting stuff. This week, uh, we are switching gears a little bit and moving to the Caribbean, which I'm really excited about, Um, and I will be speaking to a really, really amazing young woman from Grenada. Believe me, you're in for a treat. Um, As always, before we get started, just a couple of things to say. Uh, The show is being streamed live on the Sylvia Global website, um, which is sylviaglobal.com. If you'd like to catch any of the shows that you might have missed, you can look them up on the Sylvia Global YouTube channel. Um, they're all listed there. We've got all three shows there. And as always, folks, please uh, stay engaged throughout the show. I'm happy for you all to tweet questions to me, send me messages on Facebook um, I'm always or email. I'm always looking out for feedback and comments about the show, um, but also for questions from my guests, so please feel free to do that. Um, and so this week, we have a really, really incredible person. I'm really honored to introduce every, to everyone Malika Brooks-Smith-Lowe, who is an activist from the beautiful Spice Isle of Grenada. Um, Malaika is the co-founder of the Groundation Grenada Action Collective, and she says her approach to social change includes yoga instruction at the Spice Harmony Yoga Studio, which she runs with her family. And also, really amazing stuff. She has an agricultural development. You were here there.
0: Just stop. No, I stopped. It. It's the wrong show. Come on, come on, come on now, people! Put yourself to the test. Every monopoly has a priority. We wanna be equally free. Come me, hate me, discriminate
1: me, but you can't change the way I feel. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. Uh, My name is Amina Daherty, and I will be your host today. I'm really excited for this, our very first episode of Young Women Speak Out. Um, Young Women Speak Out is a six-week program being hosted by the Sylvia Global Media, um, and the purpose of the show is to elevate the voices of young women from around the world doing really cool and important work. Um, over the next six weeks, uh, over the next six weeks, I will be speaking to young activists um, from across Africa and the Caribbean that have found creative and engaging ways to bring together their work around women's rights, social justice, um, with their creative passions and the arts. So we'll be talking feminism, fashion, leadership, music, art, philanthropy, the whole work. Um, This week, I have a really amazing guest, Spectra, on Twitter at SpectraSpeak, and I will let her introduce herself in a moment. Um, But before we get started, just a couple of things that I want everyone to remember. The show is streaming live on the Sylvia Global website, which is www.sylviaglobal.com also on the Sylvia Global YouTube channel. Um, and if you happen to miss the show, which I hope you don't, but if you happen to miss the show, we will be uploading a podcast um, that you can listen to on Blog Talk Radio within the next week. Second thing is I really want as many people as possible to stay engaged with the show, so please join the conversation. You can tweet questions to me at sheroxlox that's S-H-E-R-O-X-L-O-X using the hashtag Young Women Speak Out, or you can simply add questions into the YouTube channel. Um, The link should um, come up soon, Um, and I will pick those up during the course of the show. So I hope you're as excited as I am for Young Women Speak Out. This is the first time that I'm doing something like this, so really, really excited, Um, and I will let my guest introduce herself. So Spectra, over to you.
0: (laughs) Hi. (laughs) Um, Thanks for having me on here. Uh, It's This part is always really funky. I've done this so many times, but I never remember how to introduce myself. So um, I'm an activist, a media activist. So my battleground is media. Um, I'm originally from Nigeria. I'm a writer. I'm an animal lover. I create things. I love people most of the time. Love animals all of the time, and I'm just really excited to be on the show. So let's start from there. Yay! Thank you.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because I was reading your bio on your um, on your website, on your blog, which I really, really love. And for those of you that Uh don't know Spectra's website, it's Um, www.spectraspeaks.com. And I was, was, you know, I really like the description on that. But I was thinking of my, you know, how would I introduce you and you know, I said, when I think of Spectral, what comes to mind is this fiery African feminist. And this is the image, so come follow me, people. I have this like loudspeaker okay. in one hand. A computer or a phone or whatever you need to blog, speak to the other, and it's like a massive heart spreading Afrofem love. So that's my idea of a uh, spectral superhero. Any um, creative awesome. geniuses out there that want to draw that and send that to me, please do.
0: Um, <laughs> so,
1: have I missed out anything, or have I pretty much got it covered?
0: <laughs> you know, that's really funny. Um, <laughs> I don't really, I don't really see myself as a superhero. Um, I see myself as a loudspeaker, absolutely, uh, for my story and for 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 others who are not in a privileged position to speak. Um, but I think it's really funny that you have a cell phone or or something electronic. On the other hand, because I am a you know borderline millennial millennial because I was, I was born in the age of the computer. I've been typing since I was seven. My handwriting is terrible. So most of my um, Negotiation um, in the world have happened online. Um, I think most babies are born texting these days. So yeah, um, it's interesting to have that really big world view and like community love. And then on one hand, it's like, but I'm on my laptop, and you can see I'm in my messy bedroom. So it's kind of like unglamorous. <laughs> I love it's it. It's very unglamorous, it. but, yeah, that's that's my life. I <laughs> love it.
1: Well, kind of to get started in our conversation, I'm actually going to take a question that is coming to us via Twitter because um, oh, we're yes. trying to stay as engaged as possible. Okay. So uh, this question is from
0: Ring who asks, did you choose your activism or did it choose you? Wow, you know, I saw that early this morning, and I said <laughs> to myself, I am going to think about a response to that question. I never got around to it. Um, funny, because I was doing work. Okay. So, you know, when I think about that, you know, this this idea of choice, and since, you know, for people that are unfamiliar with my work, um, I use love as a um, – it's my conference. It's my navigation system. So I view my work through the lens of love a lot, um, and I talk about mm-hmm. love a lot. And so when people ask me, you know, did your – Activism choose you. Did you choose your activism? Like immediately, that, that was my gut reaction. I mean, I thought about my relationship with my partner, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, if people asked me, did I choose my partner? or Did she choose me? That would be a very complicated question because throughout our relationships, or or the beginning of our relationship, we were negotiating. Am I chasing you? Are you chasing me? Like, what's what's going <laughs> on here? Uh-huh. And it's a very it's a very developed. De- 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 I'm having an immigrant moment. A, a stage of development, right, mm-hmm. where you're trying to figure out your place, your role, um, how you can contribute, what you're bringing, and what what sucks about you. And so I think about activism in that way. I think about the times that, you know, well, So even the name, it's funny, I only came to that name a few years ago, but I think about the times in which I've been called to do things that I normally would not have done um, mm-hmm. and have surprised myself. I think about times when um, in the courting stage, and I was trying to figure this stuff out, you know, things mm-hmm. that I said that were awkward, that were wrong, and how embarrassing it was, how cringe-worthy it was. So I really do think about it as a relationship and given that I'm in a a very happy relationship, you know, I think that love is a choice and that you you choose each other every day. So mm-hmm. there's days that I don't want to do any work at all. I don't mm-hmm. feel like I don't feel like writing, I don't feel like um engaging, I'm tired of the world, I'm sick of it. Um, and then I come to the realization that maybe it's not the world is the problem, maybe there's something that, that it's been, maybe I'm the problem, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's, just, it's really an ongoing relationship. It's like the person that you grow old with, you know, and activism came to me um, at a very young age, and I've been blessed, I think, you know, to, to be able to grow from it. Um, so it's certainly a relationship that I choose, and it chooses me even when I don't want to, to continue, but I think Great. that's the best, you know, best indication of any relationship.
1: Well, I think that's a really, really great answer. And I would say the same for me. I mean, I've had young women that have come up to me and said, you know, can you teach us activism 101? Like, what's that about? And I, and I try and say, you know, you come mm. to activism from a feeling in your heart that's something that you want to change something. And so that's kind of the message that, you know, I would like to put out there. And I think that that's kind of what you shared as well with, you know, it's something that you feel. You know, yeah. you're, you're trying. To, you, it's something that you're trying to do and trying to change. So, yeah. um, I love that answer, and I hope that answers the question, Black girl in the Rim. Yeah, I'm
0: sorry, <laughs> whoever asked that question. I'm really long-winded <laughs> because I'm a no, writer. No. i
1: sorry. No, no, no. I think you did a really great job, and um, so yes, retweet us, ask us more questions, come back to us. But I think that you know what you did was help me segue into what I really you know wanted to talk about um, first in this conversation, which was. Um, the politics of love, and actually, I, I should say that that's how I found your work first. Um, really? but when I didn't know you, I mean, that's how I found Spectra's work was her writing on Afrofem love, and that's what I would like for you to introduce to the listeners, to people watching. Um, what is Afrofem love, and and why should we know about it?
0: Um, well, Afrofem love is a hashtag I created. I create funny hashtags all the time, but this one stuck. Um, I wasn't, I always say, I was not, I was never indoctrinated to feminism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I am a scientist, I went to, you know, a really techie school, I was doing math, and I just, I was very disengaged from, like, women's studies or gender studies or anything, but from a very, very young age, um, women's issues have always been um, at the forefront of my mind. My, my mother is, she's has a philanthropist, she Planned uh, women's events for for years, and so it's part of my childhood. It's part of my backdrop that I saw women doing things for other women and for young girls and for anyone in need from a very very young age. And it wasn't, at least in my household, it wasn't labeled as activism or even philanthropy. It was just something that my mom did. Mm-hmm. And when I came to the um, United States, so I came in when I was 18 for school. Um, You know, I was I remember just being at a student fair and seeing all these buzzwords, you know, change and activism, social justice and intersectionality, (laughs) intersectionality, and I had no idea what they were talking about. (laughs) So um, I would often ask people like, well, okay, this is all great, but what are you doing and why are you doing it? You know, and that's how I got involved in um, women's women's rights, reproductive justice when I was in college. But even then, I never really called myself an activist. And I think, you know, where I'm going with this is as I was getting older. I was getting more and more language to describe what it was I was doing, which was just generally acting on my empathy and compassion for the world, that these are things I was doing because I mm-hmm. um And I saw the, how they affected me and the women, you know, in my life. So I was just doing them. And then people started putting labels on them. I remember the first time someone called me an activist, I was like, what? <laughs> really? Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but then, you know, I fell into because I was doing a lot of women's work, I fell into a lot of feminist circles and feminism became this word that was just like I felt like if I did not completely submit to it that I was not allowed to join the club. <laughs> it really felt <laughs> like a girls, like a playground kind of situation where everyone's like, Well, if you're gonna, you know, be over here, then you have to call yourself a feminist. And it was just very um it was not a a pleasant introduction to it and so I resisted it for a very, very long time. Not because I found the ideas objection objectionable or um, that I didn't completely, you know, cosign the core values of feminism, but just the mm. the group dynamics around it were just not, didn't feel like they um, colored my world in the way that I saw it, right? So I was like, well, that's not enough. And so I spend more time in uh, social justice, social change spaces, because at least in my circles, they weren't as militant about what you called yourself. You just needed to care about social change. So <laughs> I was like, okay, right, uh-huh. so you had all kinds of people, environmentalist, feminists. so there was just more diversity there. But I also found in those spaces that sort of the militant compassion and the militant dedication to um, women's and gender's gender issues were not always there, and that's something that's very core to me. So that wasn't enough. Um, and so what I think, you know, Afrofeminism, I sort of I – I didn't invent the word. It's out there, but I, I don't think it's been used very popularly, you know, in, at least in contemporary times, but or at least not in my circles. And I was just like, well, I like this because – It sort of affirmed my Africanness, right? So feminism, Mm -hmm. the the other thing about it was that it was very, very white. It was very, very American-centric just based on where I was. Um, And I found that I had different ideas about how to contribute to the women's movement. There was a little bit more focused on community, a little bit more focused on um, capacity, you know, do what you can with what you have where you are. That was just a very, very Mm -hmm. um, simple principle that I, I lived by, you know, growing up and seeing my mom. And so that was missing from that feminist space. So I think what I did was just kind of put together a hodgepodge of <laughs> frameworks, honestly, of mm-hmm. frameworks that really resonated with me and then, you know, inserted my spirituality, which is just, you know, just love as, as, as a way to, to live in the world, to move in the world, and to relate to others. And I think just all of those things, you know, is is what grounds me. And it's a name. Like, if, you know, Afrofeminist, Afrofeminist, it could be called anything else. But it's just kind of like, um, a way I center myself in my work so that I don't lose my way. It's a very centering mm-hmm. way I move mm-hmm. forward.
1: I think that's a, you know, it's, it's a really beautiful kind of story for us so that we can understand that, you know, coming into feminism, that we all come into feminism from different places. Yeah. And I really kind of want to just, you know, reiterate the idea that there are multiple feminisms. There are many ways to be feminists. Um, and so when you <clears throat> talk about that, you know, that kind of, special club, you know, I'm yeah. trying to and this is kind of why we have this show, is trying to break that open and to say there are many ways to be feminist and then you know, you can be engaged and involved in doing many different things. Um and still, you know, call yourself a feminist. And so that's Absolutely. why that you know this is really important. Or One of not. The things that I, I want think. To,
0: I'm sorry, I have to I have to interject. Or, or not Because <laughs> I think I think for me, um like I traveled last year through uh Southern Africa and Forgetting really Oh good. Right. But I was doing a lot of work with women, you know, women and girls groups. And, you know, feminism because, I mean, call it what you want. You can explain it, you know, through patriarchy. You can explain it through people, like, whatever. Um, It's such a heavy word for some people. And, like, for me, again, I think where it comes back to my values and what I saw my mom doing, it's not really about how I self-identify more so is what the work that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so I really strongly in my work, at least, advocate for meeting people where they're at, which is why. So it's not to say that, you know, feminism was this big, bad club, or it is. I, I completely agree with you. There's multiple expressions and manifestations of that. But I, I do think that there, there needs to be a, a bigger conversation about um, this socially accepted, at least that I've seen, socially accepted um, demand that people label themselves feminists who mm-hmm. are just trying to do sort of gender justice work, right? So for me, it's like... I'm proudly feminist, my work is proudly feminist, but it really depends on my space as well, right? So working in, like, Mm -hmm. a rural area with with, with women who have been doing, you know, gender equality work, but not necessarily calling it feminist work for whatever reason, it's important to me that, you know, the people that I work with, and especially myself, I hold myself accountable, you know, kind of lead with with what makes sense to them to get the work Mm -hmm. done. Um, So that's something I wanted to to throw out there because it's very, very important to me. That's awesome.
1: And and you know while we're talking about feminism talking about African feminism um mm-hmm. I know that you are you know you you often tweet using the hashtag #AfriFem um, with yeah. a number of <laughs> African feminists use, but I want to ask you um, if you could, because I'm always trying to find you know new people to read or new things to learn, and so if you could share you know one or two African feminists that have really inspired you, um, and you know even if it's like a book that you've read by someone or a really life changing critical text or something that has come yeah. you know from an African feminist, if you could share that with us so that you know other people you know can can read or or look look yeah. up
0: self-identified or i mean, I mean as, <laughs> as you know,
1: as you as you you know yeah. we talked about it you know ...as having yeah. a certain politics so so go for
0: it yeah i recently read last year i read this book i wrote a review about it on my blog it's called i dare to say mm-hmm. and it's an anthology um written by or compiled by a ugandan organization um that like promotes women's voices in literature um so they uh they compiled an anthology that was about women dealing with different kinds of trauma and it was divided into four sections i hope i can remember them now it was like war um so conflict by like gender and conflict there was female mm-hmm. genital cutting um there was domestic violence and then there was uh sexual assault and i think mm-hmm. um or i know like that book completely um it was just so powerful because they 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 worked with a group of writers who were interested in helping people document those stories, but then they worked collaboratively mm-hmm. with the survivors of the different of the different kinds of trauma. So what it felt like a series of interviews, but in a very, very beautiful, narrative, painful, poignant form. Um, and it took me a very, very long time to get to the book because these were just such, such raw, uh, painful, and, and empowering experiences. It was all of those things. It was so complex, and that's why I really, really loved it. It wasn't trying to paint African women as, as victims, but actually... At the end of the book, I felt that they were so powerful and so amazing for t- telling their stories. That I felt, you know, what a privilege for me to be like, oh, I'm suffering through this book. I can't read it anymore. Versus, mm-hmm. versus the person that actually um, had to relive that experience in, in, in words and in writing. So, I really, really uh, strongly encourage people to read that book. It's called. Remind the name book. of the book and the. the uh, I dare to say, and the organization okay. is um, Femrite. F E M R I T E. That's one book. Um, and another film that I just really, really um, connected with a couple of years ago was Pariah, um, mm-hmm. and Pariah is uh, a coming of age. a coming of age story, a teenager, black um, lesbian, and um, dealing with gender. And what I really liked about that film is that you kind of, well, one, you don't see brown people, you don't see like people of African descent in LGBT films often, and so this one, the entire cast was like all brown. So, like, get rid of that issue where, like, we have one stereotype and we are <laughs> all angry. we are all angry at the stereotype. So this is just, like, this is a full expression and diversity of, like, blackness and brownness. And then also, she was already lesbian. She already knew she liked girls. And so it gave us the room, or it gave the filmmaker and the audience the room to um, learn about different issues beyond the LGBT 101. But mm-hmm. it's still a really, really good film for people who are interested in, you know, like, what is it like to be an LGBT, you know, person of color or an LGBT, mm-hmm. African-American, but, you know, we have shared experiences. So I really like that film. So um, Dee Reeves, the director of that, is, is one of my heroes. Oh, good, good, good. Well,
1: definitely yeah. we're going to put the, the links um, in the YouTube video so that everyone who has been following and wants to check up both of those, um, the book and the film, can, can do that. Um, so... This is a question that's actually coming from Facebook, um, and someone oh. says, "Someone, like, all I'm, all o- I'm all over, I'm all over today, I'm on it, I'm being the social media guru person today." So, okay, this is a question from Facebook, and um, and I think that it ties in with you know what you've just been talking about, um, the power of media and, and what you talk about a lot, you know, the importance of as Africans, as women, as queer people, you know, everyone telling their own story. So the question uh-huh. is. What is media activism, and how did you get into
0: it? Oh, God, another long-winded answer. <laughs> um, media activism. So there's activism, which I think people have sort of a general understanding of. You just see something that you want to make better in the world, and you do it. Um, so that's that's how I define activism. It's doing whatever you can with where you are, with what you have, to make the world better. And media activism, for me, is doing that um, within the realm of media. So... Um, I think, you know, I always go back to the story because it's really the origins of where I started. I was um, a young Nigerian immigrant, you know, straight straight off the, well, not the boat, but the plane, but whatever. whatever.
1: <laughs> um,
0: and I was, you know, wrestling with my identity as someone who's always been a tomboy, like just trying to, to figure that out, but then also wrestling with um, sexuality. I knew that I liked girls, but I was like, is this? Is this a Nigerian thing? Is this a Lao? I was still carrying a lot of, like, homophobic mm-hmm. um, messages in my head. And so it made me very, very anxious all the time and, and just really, like, awkward and self-conscious. Um, I was, you know...